0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast for this week. We welcome in a brand new year by playing an assload of video games, watch a bunch of fucking movies, cook some stuff, and I cry a little bit. That's right, this week we talk about all of the glorious fucking games I've been playing on the Xbox Game Pass. Honestly, I think we talked about like six different games this week. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. There's a lot going on on that front. I watched a bunch of movies on HBO Max and I'm still watching a bunch of movies right now, so that's just what's going to be... Talked about for a while. Um, We talked a little bit about like 2021 in terms of like how I always treat the new year. Uh, That's kind of spread intermittently throughout the podcast. Um, I've started a new challenge for 2021 involving the kitchen. So that's exciting. I saw Soul, the new Pixar movie, and we talked a lot about that. And uh, talked about uh, the latest uh, Grand Tour special on Amazon Prime. We talked about beer. Um, and a bunch of other stuff I hope you're all having a wonderful start to the new year uh, so far so good for me on my end like you know not a lot's really changed in terms of uh, the the calendar transition to be perfectly honest um, started a new cross stitch project so that's a lot of fun um, I do enjoy cross stitching it's just nice to have something to do with your hands when you're just kind of sitting there just, just talking to people or watching movies or doing whatever You know, it's just nice to have something to keep your hands busy um, and that's a that's a lot of fun. And if you enjoy the Going Up cast and would like to support the Going Up cast, please go to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast where you can become a patron and get access to the, the movie commentary tracks. This week's uh, movie commentary track that just got uploaded uh, yesterday was Muppet Treasure Island, which is my second favorite movie of all time. And uh, I'm going to try to make those a, a weekly thing. Don't hold me to that because, you know... I don't like don't like making plans like that, um, but I will I will do my best to come up with a good movie commentary tracks uh, fairly often, um, no more than once a week. Let's put it that way, because uh, you know they take a lot of a lot out of me, um, because it's a lot to talk about. Yes, and um, just real quick before we get into this the meat of the podcast, uh, the Twilight audiobook will be coming to an end this week. It is a surprisingly short book. It's only like twenty six chapters or something like that. So we're right there up at the end of it and a new moon will begin instantly after that so there you go let us get into this episode one of the things i miss about college at least for me was i lived in a in like a craft beer city bellingham had something like 20 plus bars and fucking shitloads of microbreweries just everywhere and even though IPAs was like the name of the game, I've always missed the um, the craft brewery experience, uh, especially during these fucking dark times of insular and inability to bar hop and stuff like that. And my uh, my brother and his friends hooked me on to an app called Tavor, T-A-V-O-U-R. And what Tavor does is you can look at a selection of different small batch custom beers from all over the country i believe this is america only but i'm not 100 sure and you can basically go like oh that sounds tasty and then you get some you can get as many cans as you as you want i believe it's like four can maximum per order uh just so it's like you know people don't fucking just buy them all and um the, you know the, the you, they send you the box of beers I believe it's once a month, but I'm sure you can schedule them however you want. And uh, the price varies naturally depending on how many beers you get. But go in expecting to spend like probably $100 on a box. Now, I haven't done this yet, but uh, he did leave me one of his stranger beers uh, just to give you an idea of what you can expect from uh, from some of these uh, places. Now, they're not all like this. I want that to be made crystal clear. Uh, like if I, if I pull up the app right now, As of recording this, some of the beer flavors you can get, you can get a New England IPA, there's a barrel-aged barley wine, there is a fruited sour, there's a fruit beer West Coast IPA, barrel-aged saison, which is a sour beer, an imperial IPA, a porter, a wheat ale, that sort of stuff. You know, like, you know, classic beer types. And then you get weird-ass shit like this. This beer is from Drecker Brewing Company in Fargo, North Dakota. It is a peach and Blackcurrant Double Fruit Smoothie Sour Beer. Um, It has uh, peach, blackcurrant, sea salt, lactose sugar, vanilla bean. Contains a significant amount of fruit, so please keep cold at all times. Separation is normal. Give uh, Give a gentle roll or two before opening. Okay. So the trick with these beers, besides the fact that you have to gently kind of stir it so... The fucking blackcurrant and peach get mixed up. Is that you don't really ever want to look at them. Uh, so I'm gonna drink this one straight out of the can. And not look at what it looks like. Because chances are, it's gonna look pretty terrible. Alright. Christ. Well, yeah, what what percentage is this actually? Now I'm thinking about it. This is... A whopping... Where's... Where are you? Tell me... Tell me your percentage. Do you not have it on here? Maybe it varies. Um, I don't see a percentage... Anywhere on here like an alcohol percentage. Is This even beer It's a smoothie sour might not even be beer. I don't know what this is. Let's just pop it open and see what happens Hit. there we go Okay, um, well looking in the can obviously I don't see a lot I just ate salsa. Um, so my nose is a little runny Getting pretty strong black currant vibes not a lot of peach scent Okay I also couldn't tell you on a lineup what black currant tastes like, so, I know what peach is, so let's let's give it a shot. You know what? Yeah, that's not bad, it's not bad at all, it tastes like a pie. The vanilla bean adds a, a pastry sweetness to it along with the lactose, um, which gives it a really, really good smoothness. And it tastes of fruit. Um, I can't really differentiate one from the other, but it's got a really nice tartness to it, uh, which I'm guessing is coming from the black currant. And there's a little bit of sweetness, which I'm gonna guess comes from the peach. But vanilla is the dominant flavor. It really does just taste like I'm drinking a milkshake, um, which is kind of flabbergasting to me. Honest to God, hold on. I mean, there is the barest hint of alcohol, like, this thing's probably, like, 1%, which is perfect for me, because um, I don't really like to drink a lot of alcohol during the work week, um, but, yeah, that's, that's just straight up really tasty. I do have a second beer, um, that's, that's from a box, um, but I believe that one is also peach flavored, um, but it is from a different brewery, so we'll just do that one later, but... I think the app is pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely not sponsored by them, uh, but I just like pointing out cool things that um, I get shown. So uh, if you're looking for for that craft beer experience when we can't exactly go to bars, um, I mean you can, but it's not the same. Uh, give this place a shot. T a v o u r Tavour. T-A-V-O-R. At least it is on Android. I don't know if it's on Apple. Um, but if you like weird beers, go for it. Next thing in the podcast. So, a long, long time ago, I used to watch Top Gear with Jeremy and James and Richard, the UK Top Gear, but my favorite episodes were, of course, the ones where they travel, where they get, like, some junker cars and they go on these incredible road trips and their cars fall apart and they always manage to, like, piece it back together with bamboo and, stwi- like, string. I was going to say twigs, but then it came out as thwings, um, and that is a, that's not a fucking word. So, there you go. And the most recent one dropped a couple of weeks ago called, oh, what was it called? Uh, the Massive Hunt is what it was called. And so it set our our three intrepid assholes in uh, Madagascar in three, before they fucked him up, really nice cars. There was like a Bentley, there was a Ford Focus or whatever, and then there was whatever the fuck James had. I don't remember the name of the car, but it looked like a Hot Wheel. And I say they fucked him up. The Bentley looked amazing. And um, I loved just what those cars looked like. And apparently Madagascar has some of the worst roads in the world. So watching those three just go through their whole fucking adventure. I don't want to really go into too much detail because it's just legitimately fun to watch. Um, except for the ending. I don't know what it is with uh, the grand tour with all that. All like, uh, the, and all that terrible disappointment. Thank you for watching. And I'm just like, why do you got to end the show on a downer? I know it's on the opposite side of like on Top Gear where it's like, and all that bombshell. Thank you for watching Top Gear. I get it, but it always just kind of bums me out where it's like the last it's like they ended the episode by farting into the camera and it's just like Oh wow, we just went on these incredible It's just, it just fucking ends there and you're just like, oh Alright, well It was great until that and I I don't know why you would intentionally end it poorly You know? Like with this one, you really get the sense that they're, like, kind of scripting it a lot more. And a lot of the struggles that they go... When they're actually driving the cars and they're going through some of those situations, those seem legit. But, like, pretty much every other instance of them doing things seems staged. And that's kind of my problem with, with the Grand Tour, is that it feels really staged and not legit. And some of those early specials seemed legit as hell. Like, when they're running away from um, Argentina... Or when they're going to the Nile, you know, and they have to off-road and they're just driving around looking for shit. Um, I, you know, I just, I love, like, those specials. And I've seen those specials a bunch. I have them. Um, So I just, I just watch them and they're just a blast. Um, And I really loved Seamans, the one they did before uh, the Massive Hunt, because they're in boats. And they were so far out of their element and they're miserable. And I loved that. I thought that was great. That seemed real to me, you know? Like, when they're out on the open ocean and they are not happy... Like, you can tell that shit ain't scripted. They were furious. And that is what I appreciate about it. It was it was legitimate. Um, or the Columbia adventure they did. Also kind of had some scripted moments, but I don't know. There's just more to it there. And I recall that one having a pretty happy ending because they, like, find the fucking hippos or whatever. Um, so this one has a really solid journey. I loved the cars. I loved the, the, the Madagascar and, like, seeing what that place is actually like because... All I knew about Madagascar before I watched this fucking special was it's an island with lemurs on it. I I am ashamed to admit, I was not aware people lived on Madagascar, but there's a fucking lot of people on Madagascar. I had no idea. There are people all over that island. So it was eye-opening to see what that place was like. Um. Oh, also, I think my... If I had to pick... What's my favorite one? I love the one where they build the bridge over the river Kwai in the trucks. I love that. I love when they modify their cars to sleep in them. They did it in the Nile. They did it in that one. I love when they're in Vietnam on motorcycles. I think that's an excellent one. Oh man, the Argentina one with the V8s is pretty good too. There's a lot of really, really good Top Gear specials where they travel the globe. And that's all I watch of of a grand tour i tried to watch season one like legitimately and i just all i care about are the specials and it seems like amazon has kind of figured that out because that's kind of all they keep coming out with are the specials and i'm like just keep sending them places there was an episode where they sent them to mongolia and they had to build their own car and drive it out of there it it fits in the length of a normal episode but it's a really sweet adventure. That one also ends kind of dumb and shittily. But not nearly as dumb and shittily as the Massive Hunt does. Um, so, yeah, I love those guys. I know they're kind of assholes. And I know like there's a lot of mixed feelings about them. Especially Jeremy. Um, I just think they're kind of... They're, they're fun to watch. They, they're very knowledgeable about cars. Which is not something I'm very knowledgeable in. Everything I know about a car, I learned from watching these three chuckle fucks um except for when i had to replace my car battery um which i which i did do by myself and i'm still very proud of that it's kind of negated by the fact that when i put on my spare tire wrong i fucking screwed up the brake caliper and had to spend fifteen hundred dollars to replace it but that's beside the point it's beside the point it was all learning opportunities and i learned quite a lot like there's a difference between convex and concave <laughs> i already knew that but i didn't know that for tires anyway let's move on to the next thing in the podcast So, I just finished watching the latest Pixar movie, Soul. Fucking 10 out of 10 perfect movie. Um, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm crying. Um, that movie made me, made me cry like fucking six different times. So, I don't even really want to like... Oh, man. So, I didn't really know a whole lot about that movie going in. Um, and it, it it really kind of kicks off in those first like 15 minutes like it 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 puts the foot to the gas and then it doesn't really let up and it tackles some oh god why is my phone making noises it tackles some really high octane um like topics like high level meaning of life um kind of conversations it it has a, a vision of uh, the afterlife of um, the creation of a soul the meaning of a soul if we have souls um, and it it goes places it goes lots of places um and it it sticks the landing I think really really well uh, it has these these this this is one of those movies it's a lot like inside out um, for me. Where it has a lot of different um, moments that you can kind of pick out of the movie and find your own perspective on it. Um, Like all good art. uh, If I look at a painting, I will see something or I will interpret it one way. And somebody else will look at the same painting and interpret it a different way. And I feel like this movie definitely has an incredible amount of depth to it. Um, that is very, very nice to see. And it feels like the kind of movie that this year really needed, if that makes sense. If if this is like the last movie you see, um, I mean, by the time you guys hear this, it's already 2021, but this is, this is probably one of the last movies I will see, um, in 2020 and it is, it acts as like a fucking salve to just like put over the wound that is 2020. It's it's um rejuvenating in a in a lot of different ways and um as far as it being a movie goes, not even in terms of like its fucking story and message. It's incredibly well animated. The music is incredible. Um, I'm not a big jazz fan normally, but this is the jazz that I prefer. I love piano jazz. And um, the, the, the different stylings of music for the different scenarios, like, um, in the beginning, when Joe's soul is plummeting through like the void, um, there's a type of music. And then when he's like running through the street, there's another type of music and it like ebbs and flows and stuff like that. And it, it really focuses in on these like small human moments that are beautiful and this grander conversation of just life in general. A lot of really interesting concepts tackled in this movie. A lot of really funny moments. Um, I loved Jerry and Terry. I thought they were fantastic. A um, lot of different people playing those roles, but I just I loved that whole thing. I loved their depiction of of like the the manifestation of the universe. I thought that was really clever with the like kind of the faux 2D and the the way like their arm would bend and become invisible and then bend back out and you would see their arm. And I thought that was all really creative. This movie's creative as fuck. Just like the the ideas and the depictions of those ideas that they generated was insane. And just the, the wit of the movie was really fucking on point. And it, yeah, it was just it looked incredible. The cinematography was excellent. Just some of those shots. It had a lot of those moments that I really love from Studio Ghibli movement movies like um when uh Shahiro was writing uh the train to the sixth station swampy bottom and there's just music and no dialogue and just gorgeous scenery this movie had a lot of those moments there's actually a term for it but i can't remember what it is um it's a it's a moment for the character to like reflect um and there's a lot of those moments in this movie and they're fucking beautiful and it's kind of unreal that like i don't know it i suppose if i like kind of wrote it down the, the the message of this movie it it might seem like the most obvious thing in the world but they do a really good job of fucking delivering that message and the creativity of this movie is is unreal um and even though it does a couple of things where I'm just kind of like oh well fucking who hasn't seen that coming um in terms of some of the mechanics and stuff like that i think it takes those uh those kind of cliche moments Um, and does them in like the best way that it could have been done. Um, and I'll be honest, even though I had a feeling I knew where this movie was going, um, I still very much appreciated where it went and it absolutely stuck the landing for me at least. Um, it was a, it was I, I had this this thought rattling around in my head while I was watching. I'm like, this is one of those, like, ones-in-a-lifetime movies where I will I will kind of sit on my butt and think about that movie for a really long time. Um, and uh, I could see myself re-watching it, like, right now. Um, even though I just finished it, I could hit that movie... I could restart that movie and probably enjoy it just as much the second time, if not more the second time, because of just the, the emotional weight it has. Um, and the, the only other movie I can think to compare it to is Coco, which is also, in my head, a perfect movie. And those movies have a lot of similarities. This, this I Coco really focuses on the love of like family and how important family is and how music can inspire and kind of connect a family. And this movie focuses on the love of life and the love of living and how each of the small moments in like your day to day are, you know, incredible, fantastic moments and you shouldn't squander any of it and you gotta enjoy all that life has to offer. And both of them tell that story through music. And just like Coco, where the fingering on the guitar, it was accurate. They, of course, did their research. The saxophone was right. The piano was right. It was all correct. Um, Every time somebody played an instrument on screen, they were fucking doing it right. And, um, you know, I'm like, I used to play the alto saxophone. Yeah, that's what that looks like. And I've played piano. And yeah, that's what that looks like. And I'm a drummer. And yeah, that's what that looks like. So I very much appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, I thought the performances were great. I thought it was all incredibly creative. I want to watch it again. And I highly recommend, uh, if you enjoy, um, God, I don't know. I feel like everybody should see this movie, but it's a really hard movie to like describe to people. It's kind of one of those movies where it's like, you just gotta sit down and watch it. I'm not going to tell you too much about it. Just sit your butt down on this couch and watch this fucking amazing movie with me. So, Yes. Go watch Soul. Moving on to the next thing in the thing. So it's been a little while since I got the Xbox Game Pass and I wanted to talk about uh, some of the games I had been playing. I tried a handful of other games um, and I think I'm going to, basically what I'm doing is I'm, I'm dipping my toe into a bunch of games. And then um, I'm giving them not a lot of time to really make a decision. On whether or not I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue them because time is, you know, fluid. And fuck me, I got shit to do. So uh, the games I've tried recently are Yakuza Zero, Dragon Quest XI. What the fuck is the fold? Dragon Quest XI S, Echoes of an Elusive Age, and Final Fantasy XV. So let's talk about Yakuza Zero first. So Yakuza is one of those, or Yakuza, however you want to pronounce it. It's a long-running franchise. Three of the games exist on Xbox Game Pass um and the other two i can't remember off the top of my head but i remember watching youtube series of um one of the yakuza games a long time ago and i thought it was really fun um so i I gave it a shot and i did enjoy the beginning of that game i honestly played like maybe 20 minutes um and I, i liked it so far i thought the music was good i thought it looked really good i loved the the fun combat i thought that was neat uh so i will continue that game so so far early impressions are solid Dragon Quest XI Echoes of an Elusive Age is so similar to Tales of Zestiria that I played like a million years ago that I won't be continuing uh, that particular game. Not because it was bad. I loved the the soundtrack um, being done by like the Tokyo Symphony Orchestra. Like the production values on this game are up uh, fucking surred. It's It's kind of crazy. It looks... Fairly Dragon Ball esque. I'm guessing it's a it's a similar um, art style. I'm not really I'm not really sure. I like anime, but I don't know a lot about anime. It's like one of those situations. Um, but it's too similar to Tales of Zestiria, and I I didn't really enjoy that game all that much. Um, I think the story here is probably really fun, but I think I will get the most enjoyment out of Dragon's Quest 11 by fucking watching, like, a compilation of all of the goddamn cutscenes on YouTube rather than playing the game itself because I'm sure the game is, like, over 100 hours. Like, I don't really have the the inclination to sink into a big fucking JRPG adventure like that. I kind of want to because I do want more anime in my life because, um, weird side tangent. Like, um, I watched a lot of movies, um, over this last, uh, couple of days and I'll talk about them coming up here pretty soon. Um but it, it reinforces something in my, uh, in my perspective where it's like, I'm really heavily influenced by the things I consume in terms of media. Um, like the number of movies I've seen where the hero is like a big, strong, tough individual and I want to go home and work out, like that happens every time. And so I really do make an effort to play media that, I, uh, that makes me happy, like watch things or play things that make me happy. Um, because I'm so influenced by it that that feeling will persist. And so I've been looking for like kind of feel-good animes because those tend to be very um, emotion-driven in terms of their storytelling. It's like there's there's not a whole lot of subtlety when it comes to anime. It's really up in your face. And so if you want like something happy and you find a happy anime, that's going to be happy like... To the max, you know? It's gonna be, like, the most of the happy feelings you could possibly have. Um, and it'll almost be exclusively happy feelings. That's just kind of how it goes. Because there's so much anime, it can get really niche and super specific, so it's, like, one fucking tone. Like, anime is to television what metal is to music it is so diverse and there is so much to consume you can find exactly what you're fucking looking for like every single time and you never need to guess or you never need to wonder um you can you can find it and you can find a lot of things like it really easily so that's why i wanted to try dragon quest uh, 11 here and um, i'm sure it's a great game you know it's the 11th game of the franchise i did not play the other 10 dragon age games Another thing I thought that was really neat about this game is that it gives you the option of playing the entire game in 3d or in 2d and I've never seen that in a game before. I thought that was amazing. You could do the whole game in two dimensions if you wanted to. That's awesome and you can switch back and forth between them. It doesn't pick up right where you are as far as I could tell. I think you have I think it's like two separate versions of the game um, so yeah but I thought that was that was very cool. Um, and like some of the animations for the hero are a little strange like his walking animation looks like he has to take a shit and his jumping animation is very floaty and has like no movement to the body it's like he jumps in t-poses and then lands and it's weird um but i'm sure the game itself is fine that all being said i will not continue playing that game so i'm going to uninstall it and reclaim some of my precious precious gigabytes and then the final game i tried which i need to basically try again was Final Fantasy 15, which is a game I've always wanted to play. Um, and I'm finally getting around to playing it. And honest to God, I did not get too far into that game. But I got far enough into that game to appreciate what it's trying to do, and that instantly made me happy. The first thing that happens in that game is your car breaks down, and so you and all your buds push it to a fucking garage to get it repaired. And there is a Florence and the Machine cover of Stand By Me that plays over the top of it. Um, and I was instantly hooked. Like I was just like, "Oh shit!" Like this is that slice of life crap that I was kind of looking for. So I'm I'm super into Final Fantasy 15, but I need to I need to start it over again because I was on Discord with like a bunch of people at that time and I missed all the dialogue between the characters. Um, the what I know about Final Fantasy 15 is basically like a road trip with your bros, um, and it's just all a bunch of like bonding stuff and things like that. And I thought that sounded really nice, so I'm I'm excited to to play that a little bit more. Um, I will say though. Uh, that the, the size of that fucking game on my computer is absurd. Because I downloaded, like, the 4K resolution pack for it, um, which I think was actually larger than the game was itself. It is, it is a massive fucking program. It might be the largest single program on my computer. It is, uh, it's big. It's really, really big. And, um, that's just, uh, that's something that's good to know it takes up a lot of space um i'm not i'm trying to find out exactly how much space it takes up. it's like over 100 gigabytes let's put it that way it's a big fucking game so i was a. Uh, I was pretty excited uh to play that other games that i have on my chopping block that i want to check out we happy few which is something i've wanted to play since fucking forever still need to play the outer Worlds, and i also downloaded the power rangers battle for the grid fighting game and I do love me some fighting games, so I'm probably gonna give that a shot, and I might try Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, uh, which I also never got around to playing. Um, but it just, like the the sh- the simple sheer fact that you can try these games, you can play the entire game, you can uninstall it, you can reinstall it, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it for for this this monthly cost. It is it is hard to say no to this. Especially because all the new games being added all the time. Again, I'm not sponsored by the Xbox Game Pass, but when I, when you get a deal like this for for video gaming and get to play such fucking great new games like Doom Eternal, which came out, like, fucking super recently, um, and it landed on the Xbox Game Pass, like, December 1st of 2020, you just, you know, you it's just awesome. It's just awesome. So... Very very pleased with this uh, with this adventure I'm going down. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Saw a bunch of movies lately. Um, I'm just consuming an ass load of media, um, and I was watching. What did I watch? I was on HBO um, pretty much. Um, I, I mean, we already talked about Soul, and that was that was phenomenal. Um, but I watched uh, The Dead Don't Die. Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz were the three movies I'd already seen. Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz before. Um, those are those are great movies. Of course, by watching Shaun of the Dead and The Dead Don't Die on HBO, now HBO thinks all I want to do is watch horror movies, and neither of those are horror movies. They're like comedy horror movies, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, but Shaun of the Dead uh, is is really good. And then, uh, Edgar Wright really figures out his, like, his fucking perfect blend of of all that stuff in Hot Fuzz, which is just a fucking awesome movie. I love that movie. Um, and the one after that, like, At World's End or whatever it's called is, like, okay. Um, I only ever saw that one in theaters once, but my memory of it was not particularly strong. So there is that. The Dead Don't Die was a movie I wanted to see. It's got, like, a, a fairly... Decent ensemble cast of, like, Danny Glover and Bill Murray and Steve Buscemi and Tilda Swinton and Adam Driver and others. Um, Selena Gomez. And you would think that the movie would be kind of crowded with all of these incredible actors all sharing the screen together. Um, But in reality, the movie feels, ironically, a little dead There's a lot of very dry, air quotes, humor. Um, I never really thought it was very funny. Um, And Jim Jarmusch, the director and writer of this fucking thing, uh, has this like reputation in Hollywood for doing like really good, kind of like subversive movies. And honest to God, this movie didn't really do anything unexpected. And the things that I didn't see coming were kind of bad. Like, there's this bit where, like, Selena Gomez's character is, like, getting back into a car after going to, like, the nerd shop gas station. And there's this, like, cheesy After Effects like, sparkle effect that appears behind her when she's like, hi, I'm whatever my character's name is. And then it goes like, shine! And then that was it. And everybody just dies because of the zombies anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. In terms of subversive horror comedy movies it's probably the worst one i've seen i still think tucker and dale vs. evil is probably the best one because that one makes me laugh the hardest and also has some spooky moments um and then it's also like a fairly sweet romance story um not all the time but you know it's it, it's it's pretty it's pretty nice um and Shaun of the dead is is decent um that one feels a bit more like disconnected uh, than Tucker and Dale vs. Evil does it's not as tight of a story um, but there is that And uh, so yeah I, I don't think I would recommend The Dead Don't Die I would recommend Shaun of the Dead um, especially because some of those opening shots like as the zombie apocalypse is like coming around like the first 10 to 15 minutes of that movie are like a master class in building suspense and being funny about it and, like, you get snippets of, like, the apocalypse happening, but you're not really sure what the hell happens. And there are these two amazing parallel shots of, like, him going about his day before the the zombies and him going about his day after the, zo- the zombies attack. And, and just the fucking, like, the side-by-side comparisons and how you, the viewer, see all of these things have gone wrong, but the fucking character doesn't realize what the hell's going down. Um, I think that is absolutely wonderful. It's one of the coolest, like, scenes in a movie. Um, I got two more things I want to talk about in terms of visual media, at least for this segment of the podcast. Uh, One of them is The Snowpiercer Show. So Snowpiercer was a movie that came out in 2013, I want to say. Let me just double-check that real quick. Um, Snowpiercer... Yep, 2013 film. Uh, With Chris Evans, John Hurt, and Ed Harris, I want to say, um, amongst others, Uh, were we're in that movie. And it's a a phenomenal film. Um, I normally don't watch movies like this. If you remember in the video game thing, I usually want to watch media that makes me happy and this is not a particularly happy film um but it is very good and i don't think it's one of those things where like everybody should see it but i will now basically describe to you the the basic plot of the movie and then you can tell me if that sounds good to you well you email me i guess or you can just make that decision on your own so snowpiercer the world is a frozen snowball and this guy, Mr. Wilson, built a an arc train basically for the the last remnants of humanity to uh, persist on, as the train uh, circumnavigates the globe forever. And it has a thousand and one trains in this car. And so Chris Evans, who was Captain America, uh, is like one of the shit tier people in in the luggage car, and he's trying to lead a revolution to get to the fucking front of the train to get control over it. So his people are, you know. ...better taken care of... ...because they're being fed like these these blobs of... ...or like these bricks of goo... Um, ...as rations and stuff like that... ...and they, the miserable living conditions... ...and the, the women are being sterilized... ...and all that stuff, it's awful... Um, ...it's very dystopian Nightmare Future stuff... Uh, ...kind of similar to Blade Runner... ...except it all takes place on a train... Um, ...and the the, the... ...the world that... Uh, ...exists on this train is... ...it can be pretty twisted... It's a... It's a very... Uh... Interesting movie. Um... Just... For for the record. And it definitely goes places. I don't want to spoil what happens, but... If you... If it intrigues you at all... You should watch it. And as far as movies like this go... While they are definitely not... My... My go-to... Um... It is... It's like... Fucking... Jesus. I'm trying to... I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It... It does its job incredibly well, and the movie is made amazingly well. And, unlike most of these fucking sorts of movies, it has a relatively happy ending, if you interpret it that way, is what I will say. So, it it ends okay. Um, It's not super misery guts at the end of it, um, and it kind of makes you go, oh, okay, so maybe they'll be alright. You know, it's kind of like that. Um... So anyway, instead of that being like an hour and a half long movie, they decided to turn it into a fucking ten episode long series. Um, it, it's basically the same setting, but the the subtle, the difference is the story. So rather than it being like a tale of revolution and a journey through a train, uh, the snow, the snow, the show, is a murder mystery um, mixed in with the revolution and trying to have better living conditions for your people. And instead of Chris Evans and Ed Harris and John Hurt, rest in peace. Uh, you've got David Diggs, who played um, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton, um, and Jennifer Connelly, who is uh, who's been in a bunch of fucking movies, uh, like The Hot Spot and uh, Jim Henson's The Labyrinth. Um, she's been in a bunch of things, and uh, they uh, start working together basically, and you get the the setting of the train, which in and of itself is an incredibly interesting set and it's it's a really fascinating idea because you've got all these train cars that could be filled with basically anything um and then you've got this this really clear class disparity um between like the you know the people in the back of the train and the people at the front of the train even though you're all on a fucking train it doesn't really matter um and so it is it's, it, it goes into greater de- detail into this dystopian nightmare stuff. um, So, again, if you're into that, then there you go. Another movie that I desperately need to finish that I started and haven't finished yet is Weathering With You, which is uh, an anime movie um, from 2019, he said, questioningly, wonderingly. Yeah, 2019. Um, And I'm only like fucking like maybe 15 minutes into that film. Um, it's about two hours long. Animation-wise, that movie is unbelievably gorgeous from an animation point of view. It is crazily good. And I'm just... I, I, I'm i in love with it. It also has product placement, which I, I'm not super um, used to seeing in, in anime movies. But then again, most of the anime I've ever seen is usually Studio Ghibli, where it takes place in a a timeline or something like that, where, like, the... um. The product placement would just make zero sense. Like you're not gonna see fucking Coca-Cola and Princess Mononoke, which takes place in like samurai era Japan. You know, it's just it's just not gonna happen. Um, so there you go. And yeah, there's just there's a ton of media out there. So just to kind of sum up um, something that I've I've been talking about this entire time: life is far too short to waste your time watching things that don't that you don't enjoy and there is I think I mean it's it's not official at this point but there has long existed far too much media for a single person to consume in like a goddamn lifetime so you really just gotta pick and choose and if you don't like something just fucking stop watching it there's other stuff out there there's so much stuff out there keep exploring keep clicking on things figure it out figure out what you're into and then watch that and if people tell you, oh, it gets really good, like 10 to 12 episodes, fuck, it's got time for that. No one's got time for that. That's just some grade A nonsense. Just keep keep poking around, keep looking, keep exploring, and then you'll you'll figure it out. You'll find what you want to find. Let's move on to the next thing the podcast. One thing you might not know about little old me is that I love to cook. And this holiday season, I was fortunate enough to get the cookbook or Dungeons and Dragons, which is one of those things that is like custom designed for me. You know, it's just like hello D D and hello cookie. Let's fucking go. So I've assigned myself the challenge in the year of twenty twenty one. I don't do resolutions really because I feel like you should not wait for the calendar to change in order to change something about yourself. Um, if you wanna be different, then just fucking be different is kind of kinda of my thing. But I do like yearly goals, you know, like travel more. that kind of shit, that's fine. Because, you know, why the fuck not? So, yeah, I'm going to cook the entire DD and d cookbook. Um, in order, because... Wh- how else am I really going to do it? So I've done the first recipe that is found in the d cookbook, which is called Traveler's Stew. It is your, your standard um, beef, potatoes, and carrots. Uh, there's an onion in there. There's uh, parsley. There's beef stock and uh, dark beer. Um, and that's pretty much it. So, uh, the recipe starts with you, uh, browning all your meat cubes. Um, the recipe recommends a, a stew beef, um, cut into like one inch pieces. The stew beef I managed to find at the store was already pre-cut. So I just left it alone. Um, after making the stew, even though the beef does impart really nice beef flavors, it is painfully obvious that it is not like, a particularly nice cut of meat that's why it's used for stews because you need to give it like two hours of cook time in order for it to break down and become like edible um so if i were to do this recipe again i probably would upgrade to like buying a steak of some persuasion like a new york strip or a ribeye and cubing that up myself um because i feel like that would be a a nicer experience and also there was not a lot of fat on my stew meat and it didn't lend itself to um creating a a very important element in a stew and that's called fond uh so what you do is you take your cubed meat and you toss it with flour salt and pepper uh to coat the meat and the idea is that the 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 oil from the pot and the uh fat from the beef would take that flour and kind of create this this brown crusty stuff on the bottom of your pot Um, and that is called fond And that brown crusty stuff not only is served to thicken your stew because of the flour, but it also adds a depth of flavor to it. The fond was not created when I made my beef. It all browned up nicely and I set it aside. And I had like a clean fucking pot at the end of it. There was like no fond whatsoever. Um, Also, I had an incredible excess of flour and salt and pepper sitting in my mixing bowl. So what I did is I took a little bit of oil and I just tossed all the flour and I cooked that down. Uh, for a little bit. To create fond. Um, which is... It was not nearly as, as delicious as it would have been if it happened naturally. But for some reason it just didn't. Um, and then you deglaze the pot with your dark beer. I would have preferred to find Guinness. But I couldn't find um, like a single can of Guinness. Because I only really needed the one. And one of the things I did change for the New Year. Because even though despite what I just said about New Year's resolutions. Um, is I'm not drinking um, any... I'm not going to say anymore, but I'm definitely trying to cut back. Especially after December, which was like just a fucking month of drunken debauchery. So I'm just trying to be a bit more sensible about it. Um, Anyway, so I used the dark beer and I cooked off all the alcohol before you added the beef back to the pot. And then you add the stock to it. And you let that shit simmer for like 90 minutes to two hours. And then uh, what I did is I set the timer for 90 minutes... And then I started preparing the veggies, which were, uh, recipe said two carrots. I had three Recipe said one large yellow onion. I had one large yellow onion. I believe it was a Spanish onion. Um, and then three Yukon gold potatoes. Now, if I were to say the statement, Yukon gold potato, and if you've had Yukon gold potatoes, you're probably picturing something about the size of like a tennis ball, like a really, you know, a small little potato. My Yukon gold potatoes were about the size of russet potatoes. They were fucking enormous. But the recipe said three, so my stupid brain went, I'll put in three. Um, And I added all those veggies, and I let it simmer for another 30 minutes. Um, I went up to check on the stew about 15 minutes later, just to, like, stir it. And it's a really good thing that I did. Because what happened was the potatoes absorbed all of the soup liquid like a fucking sponge, which caused the layer, everything touching the pot just burnt instantly. Just went up in, like, fucking black... Charred carbon just burnt, however, the stuff that was being protected by this outer layer of now crispy potatoes and burnt beef um, was fine. So, basically, as we gently scooped out the good stew um, into a bowl, which was no longer stew at this point, but instead very fancy mashed potatoes, uh, because all of that delicious beef stock and beer flavor has now been absorbed by the potatoes. And now I just have fancy mashed potatoes. uh, Because there's like beef and carrots and stuff in there. It was fucking delicious. It really was. I lamented the loss of the broth. Because the broth is like one of the best parts of any fucking soup. That's the whole point. And stews traditionally don't have a lot of broth. It's more chunks than it is not. Um, But oh boy howdy. Too much potato led to no broth whatsoever. Um, And the recipe did not account for... The sheer mass of these fucking potatoes. I had never seen Yukon potatoes this big. Um, That being said, it was still fantastic. So, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the cooking experience. I learned a fucking lot. And now I have yet another dish in my repertoire of things that I can make pretty fucking easily pretty inexpensively. It serves six people. I got all the ingredients for about $30. Um, I will save money by buying less giant potatoes. Uh, but I will also spend more money on getting a higher quality cut of meat for next time. Um, I also want to augment it with other ingredients like I think getting a couple of cloves of garlic in that pot uh, with the beef in the beginning like before you deglaze might help add a depth of flavor to it. Um, and I think some more herbs might not go amiss. Maybe some celery make a proper uh, what is it? Mirepoise? Mirepoise? Um No, what is it? What is it called? Um, you get carrots, onions, and, um, celery, and it makes it, yeah, it's a mirepoix, I think is, is what it's called. It's this, like, the standard stock ingredients for, like, any good soup. Um, but I really did enjoy it, and I, I always did love that dish, um, and I feel like I could also augment it to where it wasn't red meat with, like, rotisserie chicken and, you know, chicken bone broth, probably, and make a hell of a fucking soup on that side, Um, although I might swap out the dark beer for like a fucking lager or something like that, like an IPA, just to make sure like the color, you know, remains the same. Cause obviously with the dark beer and the beef broth, it had a very dark color to it. Um, but if I brought in some chicken, I'd want a lighter beer, maybe like a Hefeweizen or something like that and just augment it with that. So yeah, first recipe was pretty good. Um, and the next couple of, the next recipe will be remarkably easy. Um... And I can talk about that right now. It's called Iron Rations. It's basically Francie Trail Mix. Um... I just need to get my hands on some crackers and, like, hard... Cured meats, like salami or something like that. And then I can whip that up. No problem. The one after that, though, is gonna be a challenge. Because that's a fucking bouillabaisse. That's a seafood soup. And I have never cooked seafood in, in that sort of manner. So... That's gonna be fun and interesting and different. Um... We'll see how that goes. But I did love the Travelers too, and I'm excited about this culinary adventure. So I'll keep you guys posted as those things continue. The Outer Worlds was one of those games that I heard a lot of really good things about when it first came out. And thanks to Xbox Game Pass, I finally got my hands on it. And I think my playstyle will get old really fast, but right now I'm enjoying it um it feels very bethesda influenced kind of like with the dialogue trees and stuff like that i'm pumping all of my points into lying um like all of my points into lying so i can talk my way out of like every situation um the, the game looks great it's this it's it's kind of like space fallout you know it's first person shooter uh, there's a lot of like rooms to break into and explore and loot from, like all of those big open world games, you know, like lockpicking and stuff like that, like Skyrim and all that shit. Um, a lot of NPCs to talk to, you'll, you'll be presented a quest where it's like, hey, we need you to do this thing for us, and then you try to go do the thing, and then the people there that you were supposed to talk to about the thing go like, wait, why are you coming after us? These people are the real monsters, and then you got to sit there and make that fucking dilemma choice where it's like, oh man, do I go with the evil corporation or the young rebels? And it's like, always I go with the young rebels. So you go back to the evil corporation, and you go, fuck you, I actually sided with these other guys. And then they're like, how dare you, we're going to attack you. And then you just murder fucking everybody, and then there you go. And then you get back on your ship, and you move on. And so there were several instances in that game, like really early on, where, like, you're, you're approaching a ship. And the captain was brutally murdered. And now that ship is yours. But there are these people around there going like, we need to take this ship. And then you convince them to attack the marauders. And like half of the people you just spoke to died. And then you talk to a the person there. And they're like, that's going to take a lot of paperwork. And they start writing things down. And then for no reason whatsoever, I killed that person by shooting them in the back of the head. And they died like instantly. And I just looted every corpse and I got on the ship. And then now the ship was mine. And then you get out of that ship and somebody's like, what happened to all these people? And then the lie was like, they just shot themselves. And he's like, second time that month, because of course it fucking worked. And he believed you because you put all of your points into lying. So of course, everybody believes you. Oh man, it's, it's a weird game. Um, and it kind of trains you to not get attached to like any of the fucking NPCs. Because at any given moment, depending on the the wind blowing in a certain way, or if they said something snarky to you, you could just outright fucking off them right then and there. Um, And this game is the latest in a long string of games where, like, oh god, I'm dropping this. I've said it a couple of times in this very podcast where like I only try to consume media that makes me happy. I have long since evolved past the point where I want to be challenged by video games. I feel like life is hard enough and I don't need to sit there and be, like, frustrated with a fucking level. So, yeah, if there's a difficulty mode called story, and it's like, you're just here for the story, like, enemies do less damage and you have more health, fucking sign me up. I just want to ride this ride. You know, I don't go to Disney World, so I have to solve fucking mini games to get the roller coaster to go. I just want to be taking on a journey. So, I don't fucking... I'm not... I'm, I'm, I've moved past that point where, like oh, man, you know, this boss is really hard. It took me nine hours to beat it. And grind. Like, fuck me. I got better shit to do than sit there for nine hours and grind out a boss. I that doesn't mean when I eventually do get my PlayStation 5, I'm going to fucking not play Demon Souls. I've never played Demon Souls. I love those games. But I go in there wanting that experience. You know, that's the whole point of that particular game. I don't want that out of my fucking Explory Worldly Shitty Bang Bang games. I just don't give a fuck. About difficulty, it just doesn't matter to me. I'm there for the story. I'm there to experience this world you've built for me, and the world is really cool to look at. Like the the animals feel uh, very similar to the the creatures in um uh, James Cameron's Avatar. They've got like that sort of vibe going, and I fucking love that movie. So I'm a big fan of that. I think the guns look really good. I love the the quantum. Uh, bullet time thing that you've got as like a superpower. Some of those skills are just great, like the ability to fast travel. If you're over encumbered, that's just a skill you can buy. Um, I think that the aesthetic of the game is remarkably similar to Fallout, uh, but I enjoy it a lot. Also, when I was downloading this, I noticed that Fallout '76 is available on Xbox Game Pass, so I might give that a shot as well. Um, but I, I like it a lot. I think it's it's got a, a decent sort of comedy to it. That doesn't feel like it's trying too hard. Um, a couple of times the comedy seems a little bit out of place. Um, also, there were a couple of bugs. Uh, and a couple of things that didn't quite make quite enough sense for the characters um, to do. Like, there was this bit where I needed to go get a, a, a piece for my ship. So it could take off and I could go explore other planets. Um, and the guy standing in front being like, don't take that thing. These gods will shoot you. And then you, you talk to him and he, he wanders off. And you go in and, of course, the guards shoot you, so then you have to kill the guards. And that dude fucking shows up again and he starts shooting you with his gun. And I'm like, I was going to let you live. And then I shot him once in the knee and then he panics and goes like, oh, I don't want to die. And then I let him live again. And then I go outside into the town and then, like, all of the fucking villagers pull guns on me. So, of course, I whipped out my machine gun and just mowed them all down. And who fucking shoots me in the back but that same dipshit from before? And I'm like, three strikes and you're out, motherfucker. So I killed him. You know what he had on his body like a key and some ammo and that was it and i felt a little bit bad because like these were the only npcs i'd really spoken to the one that got me though was like in that conversation There's like why don't you take poverty with you to act as like guide and negotiator and i said no to poverty and i'm like that was probably like you know one of those npcs where like you could get a bond with them and like they'd be your buddy and they might journey with you and like join your party, but you said no, so they didn't join your party. And who attacks me later on when the village turns against me is Provardi. So she died too. I don't I bet her character was really interesting. But it's one of those games where it's like, well, fuck you, fine. You went you went that route. You killed your first potential party member and they're dead now. So there you go. You don't get that kind of shit in JRPGs. When there's a fucking member of your party they are a member of your party could you imagine like persona 5 if fucking makoto came around and they're like i want to be a phantom thief and then he just fucking offed makoto and i was like oh that's it like that's you're done you're gonna have lots of great adventures with her and she was gonna be like a love interest and you're gonna save the world together but no you decided to kill makoto instead and it's just over i have no idea of what what thing was and that's kind of amazing because i could do that in this game they're just dead And they're never coming back. And I I don't know what they're all about. That's that's impressive for a game. Because if she is a party member, and she's got, like, voice acting and, like, a story arc and all that stuff, this game is the sort of game where you can make the decision to just kill them. And then that's it. And they have no further contribution to the game. And all that effort that went into, like, animating them and writing their story and having voice lines and all that shit is just wasted and gone. And that is ballsy for this sort of game and the game seems to have a fairly large scale where there's like multiple different potential party members but I'm absolutely like just rolling through this game as a lying lone wolf motherfucker so I'm just gonna see if I can just murder fucking everybody and if there's still a story there cause right now there still is and it's amazing that that is the case um, I thought that was just, it was just fucking wow so yeah very very pleased with that game and um, it's, it's definitely got a lot of legs on it and looks really good, and it's fun to play. So Outer Worlds gets a thumbs up from me. Um, I also played a little bit of the Cluster Truck, which is basically a parkour game, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, but there's not a lot to say about that game, so I'm tagging it on in there at the end. Um, yes. Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of The Going Upcast, the first episode of 2021. Happy 2021. Um, this week, we finished, or are about to finish, uh, Twilight uh, as the audiobook Uh, Honest to God, at the time of recording this, I think there's like two chapters left to upload. So uh, that'll finish here pretty soon. And uh, New Moon is already well underway in terms of the recording thing. I just passed page 200 um, earlier today. So that's very exciting. And we're just going to keep plowing ahead through Twilight and uh, finishing this book series um, probably fairly quickly. Because it's a little over 20 chapters per book. uh, Which means it's probably going to take about 60 to 70 days. Uh, to read the entire uh, series. Which means probably, like, end of March, we'll have moved on to something else. Um, I don't know what that's going to be as of right now. I have a couple of ideas, but nothing super concrete. Um, and, yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. I know, we're, we're back in, like, the work thing. Um, so I hope you're all kind of getting back going again uh, really easy. And... Even though it's called COVID-19, still very much a problem. So still stay safe and wash those hands and wear that mask until you get vaccinated. And even that probably just good habits to keep installed, you know? Keep washing your hands. You don't want to get sick. It's, it's bad and it sucks. See you all next time, everybody. Have a good one.